Let us receive Pastor Keith now. say earth and heaven. The altar is the intersection between earth and heaven. In other words, the altar is the place where we touch God. Somebody say touch God. And I was looking through social media this week and I heard a pastor say, many of us come to church and say, I just need a touch from the Lord. But he said, what if God is waiting on a touch from us? I hope y'all just caught what I said. Many of us come to church saying and declaring that we're waiting on a touch from God, but maybe God is waiting on a touch from us. And here's what I'm saying. The woman with an issue of blood touched the hem of his garment and he was, she was healed. And everyone who was at this altar, I want you to know that you touched God in that moment. God is looking for us to touch him. Amen. Or believe in whatever you were dealing with, whatever issue you may have brought to the altar, that God heard it and he healed and mentored it. In this moment, um, before I take my text, before I um, bring the word, the good news is that the Bible says in Ephesians 4.11 that he gave some. The Bible says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, some pastors for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, this past year, we, we were able to set some apart. And I want to make sure our church knows those that have been set apart, those that have been licensed, those that have been ordained for your equipment. Tell your neighbor, for my equipment. These are those that have been set apart. So as I call your name, I just want you to come and stand starting here, and then we'll just line down. I know Danshell James is here at the moment, but can we give God a hand clap of praise for her? Danshell is one of our MITs, and that's who I'll be calling up first. If Rondell um, Naran will come up, can we give God a hand clap of praise for her? If Kimberly Roof could come up, let's give God a hand clap of praise for her. And I don't see Sharon Seawright Jr. Look at him rolling in late to church. And he lived with us, y'all. I'm going to let him come on in. But let's give God a hand clap of praise for him. He's made a praise. So these are our ministers in training, those who will be equipped and poured into, um, to pour into us. Amen. And then also we set aside an evangelist in training. So if Miss um, Rhonda Seawright, if you don't mind coming. I know many of us have this thing about evangelists misconstrued, and we think evangelists come to hype us up, but they come to reach and save the lost. Um, so she has a ministry and a mantle on her life that makes it easy for her to talk to people, easy for her to share the gospel. So we've set her apart for training so that in a, in a soon coming day that she can be officially ordained as an evangelist. If Sharon C. Wright Jr., if you don't mind coming up, late, sir, and I called you out. Stand next to your mom. 
Lord allowed us to set apart deacons in training. Those who could serve the people of God. Whenever there's a need, they will move at that need, at the beckoning of their shepherd. And I'm so glad that we set aside a deacon in training. I love him so much. I love his heart. Um, I just, whenever I need him, he's right, right there to respond to that. So if we can give a hand clap of praise for Rick Greaves. So these are those that have been set apart um, for in training. And then a soon coming day, we'll lay hands on them so that they can be fully commissioned into the work that they've been called to do. Amen. Now, quickly, I, we've also set aside teachers. And she's, um, well, I want to talk about the deacons first. Our deacons are those who serve. So if Deaconess Cindy Stewart will come up. Don't mind standing right here, Deaconess. If Deacon Ronnie Cheeks will come up. One of the things about Miss Deacon and Cindy that I love, I wanted y'all to stay up here, y'all disobedient. But go ahead and sit down. Pastor Cole told him to sit down. I've known Miss Cindy for several years now, and I really feel like she has my heart. And I'm so grateful for her. I love her, I love her dearly. And I'll say this about Ronnie. It's, you know when somebody's called to the work or called to walk alongside you, when their spirit just resonates as soon as we meet them. Um, Deacon Ronnie has my spirit, and it's so glad that it happened from day one. It wasn't forced. It wasn't something that we had to orchestrate, so I know he's been called to this work. Amen? So let's give it up for our deacon. Y'all can stay right here. No, scoot down, scoot down. Just scoot down. I ain't going to have y'all too long. And then our teacher, we set aside teachers in this house as well. I know Miss Angela Burns, I want you to come up. I know your knee hurting, so we're going set to a, set a chair here for the moment. Can we give God a hand clap of praise for her? She's our teacher and my cheerleader, y'all. When we were at the hotel, she'd been cheering me on, and I'm so grateful for her. My wife has also been set aside as a teacher. I wanted to come now. I, amen. Somebody say this for me. Somebody say, stir up the gift. Say that one more time. Stir up the gift. She has so many gifts locked up inside of her, and we were talking about her 2020 goals. The, the revelation that God gives her concerning teaching is so has so much depth. Some people say they deep, but they not deep, y'all. They shallow. But my wife has so much depth and so much revelation, and I pray that this is a year that the gift is stirred up because there's a people that God has called for her to minister to by way of her teaching. Amen. And we believe that it will be manifested this year. Now, for our ministers, although my wife is a teacher and a minister, we just set aside strictly ministers. So if Minister LaShawn Smith will come up. If Minister Chantel Cole will come up. Dominique Kilpatrick will come up. 
really don't want to belabor the time, but I, I, I love all of them. But I want to say something about Chantel. She's one of the most humble people I know. Um, she's done stuff that people with titles wish they could do. I, I hope y'all just heard what I said. There's been people that have been serving in ministry for years that have not done the type of work that she's done in her short life. And then we've, we've been struggling um, about where to place her in ministry. I've been asking God to give me revelation, give me understanding, give me wisdom about where to place her. And, and as, I, as we were discussing and dialoguing, she said, Pastor Keith, I'm going to keep my minister title. That says something about who she is in God. And the Bible says those who humble themselves shall be exalted. So she may be a minister today, but no, she's not a minister in the spirit. She's a great giant in the spirit. We may not have a title to, to really define what she is, but know that God is doing something great in her life. And I'm so grateful for her. And I'll say this about my brother-in-law. I want you to know, somebody shout the word pastor. Somebody shout the word pastor. He has a shepherding spirit upon his life. I, I was so, every time he stands and every time words come out of his mouth, my spirit leaves. And my wife said something so critical to me, and I want to make sure, the reason that I called him last, is I'm going to make sure that he stands closely by me and Pastor Cole. Pastor Cole prophesied this concerning during the secret place um, that he was going to be one of the ones that would hold my arms up. And, but the other thing that I saw was the Elijah and Elisha. And I pray that my mantle falls upon him. This gift to, to shepherd, and he has great wisdom, great discipline. And God's going to do something great in his life. Give God a hand clap of praise. And then we also set aside evangelists. So, God, so grateful that God would send evangelists in the house, those that have been plowing in God's harvest, if Valerie Goodman would come. I think one of the most difficult things to do is, um, somebody say transition. Um, one of the things about Valerie and Miss Angela is that they transition from a great work. There was a great work going on in the city, and, and God orchestrated some things where they had to transition. And it's so difficult when you're used to a type of ministry to submit to another ministry. So I'm so grateful for you, Miss Angela. I'm so grateful for you, Evangelist, that you would submit to this work. And whatever season, whatever capacity God has for you, I'm grateful for it. Because I know you've been called to take us to another level in God. Amen. And then finally, I want my assistant pastor to come up, Pastor Britton Cole. Can we give God a hand clap of praise for him? I, I, I have no words to describe my love for Pastor Cole. I asked him stuff last minute, and he does it. I was, I was in a place of vulnerability yesterday, and I said, I, I need Pastor Cole to help cover me, to help give me wisdom, and it was right there by my side. I, it's, it's hard to find that, y'all. It's one thing for people to come and serve in ministry, and they serve along the pastor just to get a title. But hear this, I want you to know I call Pastor Cole my friend. Jesus said, no longer do I call you disciples, but I call you my friend. 
I'm so grateful that I can call him my son. And I, and I want to say this, and I want to acknowledge it, and I want us to understand this. I have another certificate, and it's a certificate of affirming of a prophet. Right? Many times we don't, we, 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 we hear this word prophet, and we know that that's the mouthpiece of God. But for this house, right, for this house, somebody say for this house. Pastor Cole is our house prophet. Right? We affirm that gift on him. We affirm not only that gift, but that office on his life. So when, it, when it, another prophet comes prophesying a word, that he can test that word. Because many times churches bring in prophets, they speak words into the atmosphere, and there's nobody to test the word. And we, we receive stuff, watch this, that is not of God. And I'm so glad that we not only have an assistant pastor, but a prophet in the house. Amen. So let's give God a hand clap of praise for him. And one more thing, I want to ask Danshell James to come up. Listen, we, we told our MITs and our um, those in training to come up, but you weren't here, Danshell. And the only reason she wasn't here is somebody say she got a family. She got a family, y'all. She got a whole family. Uh, so let's, let's celebrate the gift on her life of ministering training. Amen. And I just wanted y'all to have um, a sneak peek and see those who have been called to equip us for this work that God has called us. Amen. All right, let's give God another hand clap of praise and you may be seated. Stand to your feet and take up your Bibles. We're going to go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. It's so good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. John chapter 13. And I'm going to be looking at verses 31 through 35. John chapter 13. Verses 31 through 35. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And it says, so when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. Verse 32 says, if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Somebody say immediately. And then notice what Jesus says. Jesus said, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So I say to you a new commandment. Somebody say a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And it says this in verse 35, by, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Verse 34 says a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to minister from this subject, you're anointed to love. You're anointed to love. Anointed to love. The, the way in which we view our roles in the body of Christ determines the victory of the body of Christ. We've got to understand that. Tell your neighbor you've been given a role. You, we've, we've all been given a role, and the way in which we view ourselves will determine the victory of the body of Christ. In other words, if we're not confident and walking what we've been anointed to do, the enemy will continue, continually conquer us by his attacks. 
If, if, we're not, if we're not confident, if we don't walk in what we've been anointed to do, the enemy will always attack us and he will always conquer us. 2 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 21 speaks of this anointing. Notice what the text says. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God. That means we've all been anointed. Tell your neighbor you've been anointed. From the pulpit to the pew, you've been anointed. And notice this even more, that word anointed in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is the Greek word um, chiro, which means divinely authorized. That means that this anointing is not, watch this, as a result of your spiritual elevation. You don't have to be elevated to be anointed. It's not because of your theological education. You ain't got to be educated to be anointed. And notice this, it's not by way of what you need to earn. Tell your neighbor, I'm already anointed. We, we, many preachers won't tell you that. But the day, watch this, you were appointed as a believer, you were authorized to be anointed. Here is the vital aspect of those who are anointed. And somebody say all of us. Anointing is received from the divine. Somebody say from God. And then anointing requires delegation. Somebody say the power of God. And anointing responds to a demand. Somebody say it's a mandate of God. So, so, so this anointing that I've been given is divine. This anointing is by way of God's delegation. And notice this, this anointing responds to the demand of God. God has commanded me to be anointed. That means there's a weight and a will that comes with being anointed. When people say, I'm anointed, I want you to know that there's a weight and there's a will associated with being anointed. And hear this, many misbelievers mishandle that weight and mismanage God's will for our anointing. I'm not just talking about the people that I called up this morning. Many of us watch this, mishandle the weight of our anointing, and we mismanage the, God's will for our anointing. I want y'all to hear me and hear me good. I don't know if y'all stand with me, but I need you to stay with me. All right? Herein lies the problem with many in the body of Christ. We believe that we're anointed for the media. We believe that we're anointed for the masses. But really what we're saying is that we're anointed for me. When people say I'm anointed to the masses, I'm anointed for media exposure, really what they're saying is that they're anointed for me. Somebody say the devil is a liar. And, and, and I, I don't want y'all to think that there's something inherently wrong with God sending you to the masses. It's just, it just, the problem is, is when me takes precedence over the masses. My, my, somebody say my agenda. Say it with me. Say, somebody say my agenda. My, my agenda cannot take precedence over the masses or in other words, God's children. We're not menaced. We're not anointed for ministry opportunities. We are anointed, watch this, for one another. Somebody say one another. This is why we're admonished throughout the New Testament with this phrase, one another. We're admonished to minister to one another. We're admonished to fellowship with one another. We're even called, watch this, to submit to one another. We don't like that. Therefore, the health of the body of Christ is dependent upon how well we manage the weight and the will for our anointing. If, if I want this body, this local body to be healthy, 
I got to heed to the weight. If I, if I want this local body to be healthy, healthy, I got to heed to God's will for our anointing. And hear this, God's divine delegation for us to be anointed for one another is not up for discussion. You may be saying, I don't want to submit to nobody. It's not up for discussion. I may not want to fellowship with nobody. I just want to come in and hear the word, and I want to go home. It's not up for discussion. Tell your neighbor, it's not up for discussion. And as we've heard before, watch this. Our first ministry is our family. That, that, it, it, it's our family. Somebody say, it's my family. That, that, that's why I don't like to have y'all in church all day, because your first ministry is your family. That, that's why I don't get caught up when the saints rolling in late, because their first ministry is their family. Y'all know pastors get all bent out of shape, and they got my five, four kids. Their family is their first ministry. So as, as, as our family is our first ministry, it is no different for God. What, what do I mean? Our first ministry in the local body is God's children, the family of God. The question we got to ask ourselves then is, how do we interact with God's children? If I'm anointed for God's children, how do I interact with God's children? The other thing I got to ask myself is, what's my level of, an inve of investment into God's children? I don't do people. I, don't, I, ain't, I ain't got time to go visit nobody when they sick. I ain't got time to pick up the call, the phone, and pray with somebody that's going through. What's your level of investment? And then watch this. How has my interactions with God's children, watch this, shape my influence with other of, of God's children? I've, I've got to ask myself those questions. If not, if it's difficult for me to answer those questions, then I've mishandled God's weight and his will for my anointing. I don't want to be found guilty of that. And here's over the course of these next several weeks, we'll discuss what we're anointed for and how we must properly steward that anointing. And this morning I want to begin with our anointing to love one another. Tell your neighbor, love one another. So let's examine the text. I want us to look at verse 34a. There's a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As God has placed a demand on all that we're anointed to do, it is so with our anointing to love. So here's the first thing I want you to know. You're required to love. Tell your neighbor you're required to love. As it pertains to love, here's the problem with many believers. We place pre prerequisites on who we should love and why we should love them. Y'all heard what I just said? I, I've, I've got to have some standards met before I can love you. Many people in the church do that, y'all. Before you can serve, you got to get a new wardrobe. But, but, but before you can serve, that skirt needs to just be a little bit longer. We have this level of prerequisites as to who we can love. And somebody say the devil is alive. I, and notice this, what, what do I mean? I will love you, love you if you love me like this. I will love you if you first do this. I will love you if you first love me. But there's no prerequisites as to who I should love. And watch this, you can't charge a down payment on what's been demanded by God. Many of us try to charge a down payment on somebody else what's been demanded by God. You ain't got to do nothing for me to love you because God has demanded me to love you. 
And we got too many churches that, no, they got to do X, Y, and Z before I can love them. But there's a demand on my life. Tell your neighbor there's a demand on my life. We're required to love and we're required, watch this, to love all. Many of us say we got it together because I know how to love some people. It's easy to love the pastor, but can you love the prostitute that just came in? I've, I've, I've got to, I, I, I don't want to just be, be loving just some of the folk. I've got to love all of God's folk. And this, this is why people don't come to church now, because we got too many prerequisites. You can't pick and choose who you're anointed to love. And this is the problem with many believers and how we happen to mishandle and mismanage God's will for our anointing to love. Consider the new translation of Romans 5 and 8. It said, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That means, watch this, God loved us despite our sins. Somebody say past sins. He loved us in our sins. Somebody say present sins. And watch this, he even loved us on our way to sin. Somebody say future sins. So, so if God can love me despite my sin, if God can love me in my sin, watch this, if God can love me on my way to sin, I should be able to love somebody else. I, I, want, I want to be able to love like that. Because notice this, as long as we are in our flesh, we're subject to fall. And hear this, watch this. If your prerequisite is that you can't love someone in their sin, then don't plan for another to love you. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. And, and here's one of the problems with many believers. We still mad at people because of their past sins and it negates us from loving them in the present. I don't want to be so caught up in somebody's past sins towards me that I can't watch this, love them in the present. The, the, the great, one of the greatest freedoms is when you can forgive people for their past sins and still be able to love them in their presence. I, I, listen, I don't talk about family members. I don't, I don't even care if you watch it. I don't talk about my daddy all right, when he was not there, but I yet can still love him. I, I don't, I don't want to hold somebody's past sins Gets them. If God can do it for me, you can do it. Watch this for one another. Somebody say, do it for one another. And as God so loved the world, this is John 3, 16, so are we. Watch this. Your sin didn't stop God from loving you, so neither should the sin of another stop you from loving them. And here's the good news, y'all. Y'all ain't going to like this. Love does not cut people off in sin. Love does not criticize people in sin, but love covers a multitude of sins. Many of y'all, y'all cut folk off as soon as they do you wrong. I didn't notice this. I don't have to be connected in the physical to be connected with you in love in the spirit. I can still love you despite you sinning against me. And I, we've got to be able to, so, so sometimes if I know the saints done did you wrong, you ain't got to try to, you see them in the, in the, in the supermarket, and you're like, ooh, let me go on down this aisle. You, 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 ain't, you ain't even get all your, your grocery list. You only got about two, three lists, and you say you don't want to deal with them because of their past sins. But one of the greatest things to do, the Bible says, it's like heaping hot coals on their lap. And if you can love on them, even though you know they sinned against you. I want to be able to have that kind of love for one another. 
And notice this even more, the word world in John 3.16 is the Greek word cosmos. Somebody say cosmos. That, that's just like the, 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 the word that we have now, a natural word cosmos, which means inhabitants of the world. Somebody say everybody. That, that means your friend and your foe, you got to love them. Tell your neighbor you got to love them. That, that, that means your homeboy and your hater, tell your neighbor you got to love them. That, that means, watch this, even one you engage to and your ex, you got to love them. Yeah. Now, I, had to, I had to get delivered from that, y'all. I still got to love them, God. Yeah, you got to love them. I, I, I've got to love them. I broke my little heart, too. Broke my little heart. Because our anointing to love is required of us. Now, this is why our foundational text, Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. The, the problem with many believers is, watch this, when God gives us a command, we try all we do to give God a cane. Y'all, whenever God gives us a command, it is not like y'all just be so happy. Oh, yes, God. We, we find every excuse in the Bible. And matter of fact, it ain't in the Bible, but we find every excuse to give God a cane. So when God commands me to go plant a church, I tell God I ain't got no folk with me. I ain't got no money. The saints that's with me now don't believe that I'm called to leave now. So we do everything we do to give God a cane. I tell you, neighbor, don't give God a cane. And and notice this, what you think you can't do for God, not only has God commanded you to do it, watch this, he's also consecrated you to do it. I've got got to remember that. So stop finding reasons why you can't do what God has called you to do and ask God, watch this, to give you strength for what you've been consecrated to do. I want y'all to catch what I just said. When, when, When people get elevated in the natural, there's this season, what they call consecration. All right, so this is when, when, when they clean themselves up, we go on a fast. We, tr- we start, to start to prepare ourselves for what God has called us to do. But notice this, this anointing that the Lord is talking about, I've already been consecrated for it. Did y'all hear, catch what I just said? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says that you already have been anointed. So as soon as I become a believer, God says, you've been consecrated for the work that I've called you to do. Somebody say, I'm able to do it. We don't like that. We don't believe we're able, but you're able. All right, we're able to do it. All right, just ask God for the strength to love when it's difficult when he gives us a command. Because your anointing to love is required of you. So the first thing is, it's required of me. Somebody say, it's required of me. Now let's look at verse 34b. And then he says, as I have loved you. All right, we don't have to struggle with what we've been commanded to do when we are compelled to do it, all right? What do I mean? His love for us should compel us to love one another. When God loves me, it should compel me to love one another. So this anointing that I've been given is in response to his love. That's my second point. It's in response to his love. In other words, our anointing to love because we've been moved in response to his love. The only reason that I can love some folk the way that I love folk is because I remember how God loved me. And, and, and I ain't got to think about them. I ain't got to get caught up in them. But I get caught up in his love, and his love alone moves me. This is why Bishop G. E. Patterson said, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul shouts hallelujah. 
something when I start, the very thought of God in my life should cause something to leap in my belly. And it should cause me to move despite, watch this, my circumstances. We've got to get to that place in God, y'all. Many of us, we get so caught up in our circumstances and what's in the external. And sometimes God is saying, just think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. And your soul will leap in his belly and cause you to move and do things that you never thought you'll be able to do. All right, I just got to think of the goodness. Tell your neighbor, think of the goodness. Think of the goodness. That, that, that thought alone should compel us to do something. So the question we got to ask ourselves is, what has God's love for us compelled us to do? If you're not compelled to love your wife, consider his love. If, if, you, if you're not compelled to love your father that was not there, consider his love. Somebody say consider his love. If you're not compelled, watch this, to love the one that you worship with and that you sit next to in church, I know they might get on your nerves, but you got to think of his love. Because when I think of his love, it should compel me to love one another. I just got to think of his love. Tell your neighbor, think of his love. Have, have you considered his love? Because if you consider it, it should compel you. This is why 1 John 4, 19 declares, we love, watch this, because he first loved us. The only reason I can love your, 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 your behind is because he first loved me. I, I can't love you, watch this, in my own strength. We, we don't like that. I ain't always been nice, y'all. I ain't always know how to love my wife the right way. I ain't always know how to treat women right. And the only reason that somebody can love me, the only reason my wife can love me is because God first loves her. All right, I'm not, I'm not that grand, y'all. And if you think you that grand, all right, you're going to miss out on somebody's love. I don't want to be that grand. The only reason she can love me is because God loved her first. Praise the Lord for that. All right? So the next time we go get so high and lofty and desires about how much we love God, we must remember that he chose to love us. Watch this. Before we chose to love him. That means our love for one another, watch this, is a choice. Y'all caught what I just said. We've got to remember that before I made this step, before I gave my hand to a preacher and said that I want to give my life to Christ, the Bible says that he first chose us before the foundations of the world. He chose us. So, so that means my ability to love another believer is a choice. Somebody say it's a choice. So even when it's difficult to, to feel like it's difficult to love, I got to declare that I choose to love. Even more, watch this, sometimes you got to command yourself to choose to love. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to command myself, y'all, because sometimes you just got you to command yourself. Because despite, watch this, despite what you've been taught, when you get saved, there are some people that make it difficult to love them. You, 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 you can say I'm saved. You can say you read your Bible all day, every day. It's still going to be some folk that makes it difficult to love them. Listen, I work, I, I want y'all to hear me. I work for a ministry, y'all. Not this one because I don't get paid here. But I work for a Christian organization. And one of the things in the job description is say that you got to be a follower and a believer of Jesus Christ. Y'all know it's some followers and believers that's nasty. I work with some nasty folk. And some mornings when I get ready to go to the office, I've got to command myself to choose to love them. 
sometimes when I think it's difficult, don't let these um, deep folk just think you can love everybody. No, sometimes you got to command yourself. I got to command. So here's some wisdom for dealing with difficult people. Don't become discontented in their character, but remind you, remind yourself of what has compelled you. His love. I, I don't want to get so caught up in somebody's character because it's some folk, some folk. And watch this. The Bible says that this level of sanctification, there's a couple of things about sanctification. There's what they call positional sanctification. That means once I come to Christ, I'm considered no longer a sinner, but I'm now a saint. And then there's something called uh, perfected sanctification. That means when I get the glory, I'm perfect in him. I become a new creature. I have a glorified body. And then there's something called progressive sanctification. That's all of us. Somebody say that's all of us. So that means we've all got some level of character flaws. So, so, so if somebody would just check my character, they would say that that part of Pastor Keith is difficult to love. So what I've got to do is not get so caught up in their character, but I got to get caught up in what compelled me. I want to be compelled every morning, God, by your love. Because I'm going to encounter some people, watch this, with character flaws. Matter of fact, as soon as you wake up, if you got a wife, I'm sorry, boo, but I've encountered somebody with some character flaws. I've got some kids. I don't care how cute they are. They got some character flaws. So as soon as I bump into somebody, I bump into somebody with character flaws. So I've got to ask God, God, remind me of your love. Because your love will compel me to love somebody with character flaws. That's good. I, I need some folk to bump into me because I, I'm, sometimes I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. So I need my wife to be in her prayer closet so she can be reminded of his love so I, ain't get, I don't get kicked out the house, y'all. All right, God, compassion towards us has to be greater than their lack of character. And notice this, that's all of us. All of us have this level of lack of character because we're all in this journey of progressive sanctification. We're anointed to love because our response to his love. So the first thing I said is that we're required to love. Somebody said we're required to love. And then the, sec- the, the second thing I said is that we've got to do this love in response to his love. Somebody say in response to his love. Now let's look at verse 34C, and I'm going to be out your way. The Bible says that you also love one another. You can't love people the way you think you should love people. I'm messing y'all up right here. Because there's rules to our anointing to love. There's, there's rules to love. Tell your neighbor there's rules to love. The, the, the problem is, is that the world has skewed and watered down our perception of love. Yet love, watch this, must be reciprocal. Here's my third point. It's a reciprocal love. One definition of the word reciprocal is given, felt, done in return. I watch this, mutually beneficial. Somebody say reciprocal. The, the, this, this revelation negates that the excuse when we can only love those who've loved us because we're not called, watch this, to reciprocate um, what another has done to us but what God has done for us. So I can get all the excuses out of my mind. I I can't love nobody because they don't love me. I I can't do them because they ain't do me the way I did them. I done invested all of my time into them. I done invested all of my heart in them. I'm never gonna love them that way again. But hear this, you're not called to reciprocate. Watch, watch this, what they've done to you, but what he's done for us. 
it, it has to be a reciprocal love. It, it, it has to be reciprocated. So, so what do I mean? We're called to love of one another in the same manner that God loves us. His love for us governs how we should love one another. Oh, this is a litmus test, y'all. So the question we got to ask ourselves, is my love for one another Christ-like? Is the way that God loves me, does it govern the way that I treat Miss Alvera? I, I can't call Pastor Cole my friend and love him in the same manner that I don't love Rich. Because it should not look different as long as I receive the genuine love of God. Y'all like to love folk how you want to love folk. I'm going to love this one this way. I'm going to love this one this way. As a matter of fact, that one over there, I'm going to love you probably two years down the road. That, tell your neighbor, the devil is a lie. So, so, so watch this. Consider what 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8 a says. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, nor does it dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. You know, when some folk dishonored me, and it was difficult to still yet honor them, I honored them. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in, with truth. It always protects. Somebody say always. It always trusts. Somebody say always. It always hopes. Somebody say always. And it always preserves. Somebody say always. And watch this. Love never fails. Watch this. If your love falls short in one of those areas, then it's a should not be reciprocated. Y'all don't like that. If, if, if I fall short in any of those areas, don't reciprocate that love to nobody. If your love, if you, if your love for me is not patient, then don't love me. If you can't love me and be kind, then don't love me. If your love for me won't last, then do not love me. You know you got folk, my former pastor used to say, folk will wake up 30 years in marriage and say, I'm leaving. And then she said, I'm leaving too. I'm packing my bags. Where, where we going? I, I don't want to get into a relationship that's called to be eternal and my wife wake up one day and say, I'm going and with another man. No, you're not, girl. No, you're not. Remember what the love should last. I need that kind of love. She talking about she did her 10 years. She good. No, y'all, y'all pray for her. A, 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 no, no, and notice this. Watch this. A love reciprocated must first be a love that has been received. I think one of the difficult things for the body of Christ is because we have not really fully received the love of God concerning our own life. You'll never be able to love somebody and reciprocate a love until you first receive that love. Because you can't reciprocate what you have never received. So here, and we struggle, many believers struggle with this, to accept God's love, to even acknowledge God's love. You know you can go through in life and you'll be like, God don't love me. God, God, God can't love me. So, so we struggle to acknowledge God's love even in the midst of our circumstance. And many of us even struggle to ascertain the love of God. I don't even know how to define God's love for me. If I can't do that, then that's a problem, y'all. I'll never be able to reciprocate and have this love for one another. Here's a litmus test as to if you have received the love of God. And so you probably say, Pastor Keith, how, how do I know if I've received this love? How do you view yourself? Ask your neighbor how you view yourself. Watch this. If it's continual doubt, you have not received God's love. 
If you walk around with a little um, discouraged spirit, I, I, I like to say this a little. I, I'm always in a dog, dog. You always in a dog, dog place. All right, that, that's, that you have not received God's love. If you always walk around defeated, somebody can declare stuff over your life that you're that fearfully and wonderfully made. And as soon as they declare it, I walk around and sit down defeated. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't receive his word for my life and I walk out and I'm defeated. If that's, if that's your testimony, listen, you have never and not have received God's love first. The songwriter declared, watch this, he looked beyond my One, one who has received the love of God can, can continually declare that not only has he looked beyond my faults, but I know the Lord has loved me beyond my faults. I, I, and I know my, my brother-in-law don't mind me sharing this, but, but he, he was going through some stuff and he was struggling with him being, being defeated by the enemy. And, and I had to remind him of God's love towards us when he touched us. And know that we can run to the Father's arms. Right? And many of us, we get so, we defeat ourselves because we fell into sin. We defeat ourselves because we didn't get the job. And maybe God is trying to set you up for something greater. I don't, I don't want to always have this defeated spirit, but I know he loves me beyond my faults. He looks that very notion, when I can know that he looks beyond my faults and I know that he loves me beyond my faults, will change my whole perspective of how I look at myself. And, this, and it changes the way in which we are anointed to love one another. And watch this. If we found ourselves guilty of inadequately loving someone outside the bounds of God's love, if you reciprocated some stuff that you know you shouldn't have reciprocated, here's the first thing we got to do. We got to repent. Somebody say repent. I, I, if I want to make sure, I, I, God, I done, I done transferred some stuff. I done reciprocated some stuff that was not governed by your love. God, we got to repent. And here's the, here's the second thing we got to do. Once we repent, we also, then we have to posture ourselves to now receive his love. And then when I receive it, I can reciprocate. I want to make sure I'm reciprocating the right kind of love. Tell your neighbor, reciprocate the right kind of love. I know many of us are in a place where we got to repent. We love some folk the wrong way. Just go ahead and repent. Some of us are in a place where we don't view ourselves in light of God's word and in light of his love for us. We've got to make sure we receive his love and then we can reciprocate God's love because our anointing to love causes our love to be reciprocal. Not what somebody has done to us, but what God has done for us. Amen? So I said, notice this. Before you are anointed to preach, before you are anointed to pray, before you are anointed to prophesy, you are anointed to love. I, the, the, the one thing that I love when, when we had our elevation service, I felt so good about those that God had attached to us. I, I didn't feel like some, some people were fighting for positions, they were fighting for titles, they were fighting for licensure certificates, but all they, their hearts seemed so postured just to love God's people. We need more preachers that just want to love God's people. Listen, I, I know I ain't got no hoop, but I love God's people. I know I may not lay, lay hands and y'all fall out every Sunday, but I love God's people. And, and hear this, before I can be anointed to, to, to do anything else, I've been anointed to love. Tell your neighbor you've been anointed to love. 
Therefore, we got we to gotta ask ourselves, how well have you used your anointing to love one another? Tell your neighbor, we've all been anointed. Have, have, have you been good stewards of our anointing to love? If not, we must remind ourselves that we're required to love one another. We, we love one another in response to God's love for us, and this love must be reciprocal. But even more, consider verse 5 of our foundational text. It says, by all this, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, 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 so in other words, our anointing to love one another provides a resolve. Somebody say a resolve. What, what, what do I mean? One definition of the word resolve is to settle or find a solution to a problem, a dispute, or a contentious matter. So the question then is, we must ask ourselves, what is the problem or the matter that is solved as a result of our anointing to love? Consider Romans 8:19. It says, "For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God." That, that, that means our anointing to love reveals that we're God's children. Everybody is claiming His name, but everybody ain't, don't belong to Him. Everybody don't belong to Him. You can't declare that you are God's seed, and I see no sign of God's love. I don't care how many people in your church. I don't care how many people you lay out. I don't care how accurate you are in the prophetic. If I see no signs of God's love, then you can't be God's seed. The, 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 the greatest testimony for a believer is that there's, there's just something different about you. you and here, I'm going to give y'all this example. Y'all know it's people that's only well-known in the church. Church folk know about them. I, because I, I'm not trying to be funny. Brian Kahn, great prophet of God. Church folk know him. All right? You got folk that, 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 that church folk know. All right? But as soon as a regular folk come in, I don't, who you is? I don't know you. All right? Bishop T.D. Jakes is somebody that people know. Not, not, not because of the size of his ministry. Look at how much he gives the people. We, we, we don't realize that. Look at, look at the, 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 the community centers that he builds for you. I, he shows it by his love. I don't want to be known in the church and out there when I step out the walls, no one knows me. I want somebody to say that I see signs of God's love on you. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if you're a preacher. I don't know if you go to nobody's church, but there's something different about you. That, that's the testimony I want. I don't want to be here, and we pack out this house, y'all. It's just, it's just packed. It's, it's wall to wall. We got chairs everywhere. And as soon as I step out, nobody knows Pastor Keith. Nobody even knows that you're Keith. That'll be the worst testimony when I get the glory. I want somebody to know my name. Tell your neighbor I want somebody to know my name. And, and I'm going to call her. I love you, Miss Alvaro. Because you ain't got to never pick up a mic. But somebody knows your name. Miss Alvera done brought so many folk to this church. Done got me so many members. Thank you. Because somebody knows her name. This, this, this woman opens her house. See, she allows people there. She, she, she cares for folk that ain't got a meal. And it doesn't take much to show the love of God. And then somebody say, what church you go to? I'm going to give you an example. This young lady in the back, Mary, was done with church. 
She didn't want nothing to do with church. Matter of fact, she was hurt by church. But because of the love that Miss Ivera showed, watch this, she gave church another chance. And the only way that we can get to the place where people give church another chance is if we can show signs of God's love. I, I, I want to I show those signs. And watch this. We have too many people claiming his name for void of his character. Love. The Bible says love is who God is. And love is who we've been called to be. I read this article recently, and it was entitled The Duns with Church. It made reference to not only the world that was done with church, watch this, but also those who were of the church who are now done with church. And here's a sad tragedy. It's because of a lack of love. People, people going to church their whole life, but, but because they could not find a pastor that would love them, because they walked in and somebody said, no, you got to sit back there because this is reserved. Listen, this 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 why I ain't got no chairs up here, y'all. These folk got chairs up here, and I'm known in the church, but they're not known for their love. I don't want to be found guilty of that, y'all. We want to get the glory, and God said, creation was waiting. Matter of fact, it was groaning. The Bible says it was eagerly waiting in expectation for the revealing of the sons of God. You ain't got to wait to get the glory for somebody to know you're a son of God. All you got to do. Is be, 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 be conduits for God's love. The church and the people of God are called to be distinguished by their love. But now others are done with us. We're done with the church. Watch this, because we've been done with our anointing for the love. We, we focus on every other anointing rather than the anointing for love. For, for this house, I want this to be a house that loves one. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you came from. Some of us got church backgrounds and some of us don't. But we've got to be able to love one another. And the sad tragedy is we've got to get these folks with collars to be able to love one another. I can lay hands. I can preach. I can do, I, I can, I can do all that. I can two-step. I got a little dance, but you can't love nobody. We wonder why God is not pleased. We must bring resolve. Watch this to who the real church is. I believe God is looking for the real church. And we've got to bring resolve to it. And the only way we bring resolve is if we know our love is, our love is in response to God's love and our love is reciprocal. Give God a hand clap of praise. Listen, we ain't got to do nothing spectacular to grow this church. But maybe it's a fish dinner. Maybe I open up my house that I see is discouraged, and God just sees me because of his love that I go and give them encouragement. God is looking for us to love one another. And I believe if we can be the church that God has called us to be, we won't have to worry about nothing. And hear, hear this, I, I, it ain't about growing our church, but it's so that we can make, be good stewards and we can manage the weight and the will for our first anointing. Somebody say our first anointing. Our anointing for love. Let's stand to our feet. Somebody, I want y'all to touch hands. I want us to love one another. There's somebody you don't know, and me and my wife have been talking about this. Let's get to know one another. Let's not be a church. I try to make it my business when I see people new 
that I come and hug on them, that I come and love on them. Let's be a church that loves on one another. In the book of Acts, the Bible says they were always continually breaking bread and in fellowship. In other words, you can't, you can't sit down for lunch with folk you don't love. I might sit down with you one day, but continually? No. There, there was some love going on, so we got to love one another, y'all. Let's make it our business in this year to love one another. Father, we thank you. God, you're, you're, you're so great, God, and we thank you, God, that you first loved us. God, even before we chose to love you, the Bible declares, God, that you loved us. So, God, we thank you. God, thank you, God, that we might not have an anointing to, to build no church. We might not have the anointing, God, to have this evangelistic ministry. But, God, we've all been anointed to love. And, God, we can make sure that we bring resolve to who the real church is. God, we're required to love. So the next time we say we can't do it, God, we'll ask you for strength for what you've commanded and consecrated us to do. And, God, we know, God, that this must be a love, God, that's in response to your love. God, thank you for loving us. And, God, help us, God, to love one another because of your love for us. And let it be reciprocal. God, if we can't love people with patience, God, don't let us love them. God, if we can't love people and be kind, God, don't let us love them, God. God, if our love has an expiration date on us, on it, God, don't let us love them. But God, help us to have an everlasting love that can be reciprocal. And God, we want to be the church that you've called us to be. We want to be that bride, that spotless, that's blameless, that you're coming back for. God, if we can't love other folk, God, you won't come back for us. God, we want you to come back for us. We believe it to be so. These hands that we're touching, God, let us love one another. Let it not just be symbolic of touching one another's hands, God, but when somebody going through, God, let some of us be there for them, God. God, when somebody, God, has been missing, God, let us go run them down, God. God, when someone is in need, God, let us, God, show them the love, God, that you showed towards us. We want to be a loving church beyond anything else. We not, might not be the richest church, God, financially. God, we might not have the biggest sanctuary. God, but we want to be big in love, God, we pray. And God, every heart that believed it to be so, that declares in their spirit, God, that you will love one another, somebody say thank God and amen. Give God a hand clap of praise.